0: Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us.
1: Are you looking for a place where you get some practical and helpful tips on how to manage this crazy life and find balance in motherhood?
0: Then we're here for you. Join us for all the raw and real girl talk right here.
1: You're listening to All the Things. All the Things. All the Things with chongs and, and Beck.
0: Hello? can you hear us oh yeah now
1: i can that was okay little... good like good good out. good because i'm not i don't have my um
0: ear pod thingies in because i have angela with me
1: um, yeah.
0: i'm on speaker so you sound really quiet but it's probably just because you're normally like right in my earball.
1: Probably, yeah. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How was your day? Ah, uh, how was my day? It was fine. We did church and um and lunch with the family, and then I ran to Walmart to get like groceries and stuff so that everything's ready for Brant and the kids while I'm gone. Oh yeah, um, you at leave least this for week? The- huh? You leave this week? I leave Wednesday
0: yes okay
1: yeah um so yeah I just want to get all that together because the next two days like tomorrow Kylie has a field trip so I'm gone for that and then I work all day Tuesday so and then I leave super early Wednesday so I'm like I don't have time at any other point to do this so
2: that's um, right
1: I had to do that today and then we went back to his family for dinner and yeah that's it just chilling today what about you
0: good good times Pretty similar, just church, and then dinner with family, because you yeah. guys came over, yeah. and then
1: podcasting with you. Yeah. I'm,
0: not, I'm productive <laughs> like that.
1: Oh, my gosh. How are you, Angela? I'm doing good. It's been yeah. pretty chill, relaxed day. had
2: my niece's birthday party yesterday, so just recuperating from that.
1: Yeah, for real.
2: <laughs> and the egg hunt.
1: And the egg hunt yesterday. Oh, yeah. Where did you guys do the egg hunt at? It was at church. Oh, okay. It looked cute. They, like, hid eggs throughout, like, the different rooms and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was super smart.
0: I actually really liked the way it was put together because yesterday was super cold. Yeah. Last year, it was not this cold when mm-hmm. we did the egg hunt at Draper and it was outside. Yeah. And I was super happy they did it inside. They like set it up really, really well. They did it in shifts with ages, and then they used the rooms, like the kids' rooms, for the different ages. So it was really smart on their part because they didn't have to like restock the same room. They were all ready to go, just waiting for the kids. And then in between, they had games. They had so much
2: food. So much food. So, so much food.
0: That was really fun. It was actually really nice, and Zach said he had a good time.
2: That's good. I'm glad that Zach had a good time. Right? That's what I said. Yeah, <laughs> Zach,
1: that, I mean,
2: Yeah, that's true. To do it, yeah, which was, and that was not me pushing him to yeah. go on here. He did that on his own. I was very proud of him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Zach, the picky spouse,
0: <laughs> that, right? Yeah. So I was just going to say, Shami, you know how Zach is. So for this morning, he was like, "Yeah, that was fun," and I was like, "You had fun."
1: <laughs> you know, he goes, yeah, did I not seem like I had fun? And I said, no. Be like, Zach, fun is in your vocabulary.
0: Right? Like, it's definitely not a facial expression I could recognize. So I no, don't know. I mean,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he only has fun when I'm around. It just is what it is. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you just bring out the fun in him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, why don't you... Start us off. Tell everybody what we're doing tonight.
0: Yes. So we have our mutual friend, Angela Belazarde with us. Um, That's not how you say her last name. No, No, it's totally not. That's just what I've always called her because when we met, so me and Shamae met Angela at Mops and I had had you on Facebook. Pretty.
2: six months yeah yeah because we met through a facebook party or something like that or we
0: like down the way. street from one another and we went to mops but we never even spoke for like the almost the whole first for sure time. yeah it's just thought her name was bellazard because that's exactly how it's, se- it's spelled but that's not how you pronounce it you pronounce it oh. Blazzard. Blazzard. <laughs> which makes no sense that it wouldn't be b-l-a
2: it doesn't Star. make any sense now, granted, i married into that name, Yeah, uh, yeah, born with that name, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> well, it's
0: just, hello. I'm a geezer that used to be a tailor. Come on now. I used to be a tingy. <laughs> yeah, super easy. So this is our mutual friend, Angela, and we have her on. She is going to be talking about her journey with infertility what week is it it's next week
1: is
2: infertility awareness infertility awareness week is going to be the week of the 21st through what's the end of that week like the 28th yes starts on the 21st i think and goes through the 28th so
1: yeah yeah it starts so it doesn't start on a monday it does start on a Monday. So whatever Okay, so that Monday, would be like the 25th, the 25th 18th? to
2: the 29th. The 25th through the 29th? Mhm. 18th through the 25th. So it's the 25th through the 29th.
1: Or, or the that. 18th through the 22nd. It's one of those. No, it's the not the 18th. It's okay, the so 25th to
2: the 29th birthday.
1: then. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. the week
2: of Mark and Justice's birthday and their birthday is the twenty. So
0: yeah. Ah, so we have Ange on today to just talk about that. We haven't done an awareness podcast in a while, right, Charmaine?
2: Uh,
0: Not since last year. Last one was are uh, you with audio, right? Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 So we are bringing another awareness um, episode. Do you want to ask
1: the first question? Do you want me to get rolling with Ange? Uh, you can get rolling. Okay. are you doing are you going are you doing your like are you doing the ones that you sent me first and then the ones that I sent you after or what yes are you just going to mix them in or what yeah I said okay, you know, yeah.
0: so yeah we'll do what makes sense like so we don't jump around too much but yeah okay well and so tell us a little bit about you and then share a little bit about your story when it was I mean obviously when you started to realize you had infertility issues and then just a little bit about that uh,
2: So like they said my name's angela um i've been married to my husband and best friend for will be 14 years in june um we got married and like most people when they get married they kind of start getting those questions when are you gonna have kids Da-da-da-da-da. And we knew that we didn't want to start right away, but we knew that we want, that was something that we wanted. I always knew growing up as a kid, like as a little girl, that I always wanted to be a mom. That's like the number one thing I wanted to be, was be a mom. Um, So we, you know, we had a good first two years of marriage of like getting to kind of know each other, re-knowing each other's husband and wife and not fiance or boyfriend and girlfriend. And we got to travel a little bit. And then we were like, okay, yeah, let's start having, you know, let's start trying for a kid and we kept trying and month and month and month would go by that we just weren't pregnant and we were like well what what's going on and I probably should have kind of knew something was going to be a little off because my cycles were never regular right. and I never have been right um and so I don't know like we kept trying and then I finally was like okay let me go to an actual OB let's see what's going on and so my OB got we did a bunch of testing through there and got me on Clomid. We did that for another six months. Now, normally when people get on Clomid, it's like one or two months. Is and that for people it's who the, don't know? Um, Easy, like low-grade fertility drug, I guess you could say. Okay. It's what you take to kind of at the very point where like your cycle's supposed to start. You start taking it then and then um, it's supposed to help you ovulate because that's kind of what they decided is I wasn't ovulating on myself or ovulating regularly. So they were trying to get me to ovulate on my own. Um, And I would go in for blood draws every once in a while, like every month. And they were like, yeah, you're like, you're definitely, they test your hormones is how they see where you're ovulating and stuff. And they're like, you definitely got all the right stuff. So what, what's going on? And so after six, six months of that not being successful, they finally were like, okay, let's get your husband tested. So my husband went up to the University of Utah and um did a semen analysis up there, which is oh so fun to, you know, have to do the collection of the sample for that. Very awkward for him. I'm almost positive. I would I um, think so. And then we proceeded to get those results back, which were pretty devastating results. Um, Come to find out for no real apparent reason long story short with that my husband is sterile meaning he has a zero sperm count um we don't have even to this day um we don't have an explanation of why that is um we did see an oncologist who unfortunately not all doctors have the best bedside manner and yeah. this one was one of those doctors and pretty much was like this is the card you got dealt sucks it's just Sucks to be you is kind of the um, answer that we got from him. And so then there was a good year and a half, two years that we kind of had some bumps in the roads and weren't really talking. My husband kind of at that point, because of such a blow of finding out that you can't actually produce children on your own, was so big to him that he kind of shut down and was like, okay, I don't want kids at all then. Like, if I can't have them and I can't make them myself, there's no point in having kids.
0: And now, Shame. did you know that what did you know that that was their situation yeah okay because i didn't i remember i didn't know that until what two years ago, two
2: years ago. No. yeah that was one it was my birthday when i kind of started opening up right. to you guys about yeah yeah
1: well because when me and angela first like we had met at mops but like our mm-hmm. first actual conversation that was like our conversation because we were at Peterson Farms. Uh huh. And she opened up to me about her infertility journey. Yeah. It's, um, so I kind of like that's kind of one of the first things I knew about Angela.
2: Yeah. It's something that I've, after going through it, and even when I was going through it, it was something that I wanted to be very open about. Um, I found a lot of, comfort in being open about it and discussing it. Um, but yeah, so after we had our couple of bumps in the road, we finally went to a fertility specialist and started doing all of our fertility treatments. Um, And it was through being open about the struggles that we were having that I found my fertility specialist. Um, I went to my OB and said, hey, my husband's finally opening opening up about wanting to actually see what our options are my OB gave us the um, information for my fertility specialist at Utah Fertility Center. His name's Dr. Fulk, if anybody's interested. Um, and he's amazing. Their entire staff is amazing. Um, and so we tried a couple different things with them. Um, we did a couple of other tests with Ryan. He had um, some sort of procedure done. I don't remember the name of it um, to see if there was like any possibility that there was right. any sort of sperm there whatsoever. And there just wasn't. Um, and so then we knew that we were going to have to use some sort of donor. Um, if we were going to, it could either be like, we would just adopt an already made embryo and have that implanted, or we could do, there was a bunch of different options. And we decided to use a sperm donor um, and go that route. And we did IUI, which is an inner uterine insemination, where pretty much they make you, they give you a bunch of drugs. They put you on, These different drugs to grow your follicles, which is your eggs.
0: And now, is it like oral, or do you, when you do IUI, do you have to do injections?
2: IUI is I'm trying to remember. I think IUI, you do one injection, which they call your trigger shot. You do oral, um, meds for that, and it's almost like it's a mixture of doing birth control and then you go off the birth control and do where they do these drugs to get your follicles to grow, which is a little bit step up from the Clomid. Okay. And then you do a trigger shot, which technically triggers your body to start releasing eggs. And that's when you go in and they do the inner insemination. We did one round. We did two rounds of that technically in the first round, my follicles did not grow. And so we had to cancel the insemination on that one. And then the next round, my follicles looked awesome. We did my trigger shot. We went in, did the IUI and waited two weeks. That is the worst two weeks you will ever have to go through your entire life is waiting to find out. Then you go in for your blood draw. They draw your blood. And unfortunately, that IUI did not work. Then we took off some time again because we needed to gather ourselves Um emotionally it's a wild roller coaster that you go on when you're dealing with infertility um there's up there's downs there's pitfalls there's you think like if you can imagine it that's probably what you've gone through
0: yeah
2: um and it's just really really hard um and then right before what i had just turned 29 um and Pretty much went into my fertility specialist and said, I'm done playing games. I just turned 29. I want a baby. Like, I need, like, can we stop playing games with IUI? Because most fertility specialists want you to do a couple rounds of IUI before they immediately drop to IVF. Done two. And I had only done two Which technically i had only done one full cycle because the first one didn't end in an actual insemination. Um, so I went in and I was like, I'm done playing games. Like, I want to go f- for all intents and do IVF. And he was like, okay. And I think he agreed to it because he knew how serious I was about it. Yeah. And my age as well. Age played a big part in it. Um, and so we started doing all of those drugs. And that was a lot more intensive. That's why they don't normally jump straight to IVF is because it is more intensive. Um, I was doing upwards of two injections a day. Um, your stomach and your body looks like a freaking pincushion and like you've been beat up from the inside out. It's awful. It's painful. Um, that was a huge hurdle I had to get over because they tell you that if you do your, if you do your injections at the same time every single day, they're more likely to work. I couldn't rely on somebody else to do my injections. I had to do them myself. And that was a huge hurdle I had to overcome because I hate needles. Um, and so I was giving myself my own injections. And um, when we went in for my retrieval, where they retrieve all your follicles and your eggs and stuff like that, um, I think I had, they retrieved 32 follicles when I went in for that retrieval. Um, and then they go through a ta- like a period of late waiting and we went from 32 follicles or 32 um, eggs, follicles, whatever you want to call them, down to, I want to say 16. And at that point, then they inseminate they inseminate each fo- follicle with semen. They actually like take a needle and like, there's yeah. a lot of science behind it that yeah. I don't fully understand. It's all done in a petri dish and in like little test tubes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they see where they kind of go and some of them start dying off again for whatever reason. Um and then I think we ended up with what? Was it eight? I think we had eight really good follicles. And so we went in um for our implantation and we had decided to implant two because our chances of um one sticking was like I don't even remember the odds. It was like one in 50 or something. I was going like, to say it's like a 50-50 it's usually, 50/50 right? chance if you only implant one. If you implant two, it goes up to a 75 chance of at least one sticking. I was in the very weird um, statistics of that and both of my embryos stuck, which I'm very grateful for. So I have twin boys that will be seven at the end of the month um, from our first IVF cycle. Um, My remaining embryos, because at that point, they're not eggs anymore. They're embryos. Um, We had, so we implanted the two. So that left me with six embryos. Um, And then when my twins were about, what, two, two and a half, we went in and started the process all over again. It's a little different when you're not doing, having to do the retrieval and everything like that. You don't have to do as many um, meds. Um, and then we went in for, we did all the meds for that, got going with that. And then we, at that time we just decided, okay, we'll just do one. Um, which was crazy. Cause we just did the one and went in for my seven week appointment after the two week wait and finding out that, yes, you are pregnant. And that was with both pregnancies. That was extremely hard to go through that two week wait. And then finding out was the best billing in the entire world. Yeah. Um, but then, um, when we found out that we were pregnant with Liam, who's my youngest, who will be three in June, we actually found out that his embryo had split and he was actually a twin. And so I was technically pregnant with twins again for two weeks. And then we actually lost one at my late nine week appointment is when they found out that the second embryo or the split embryo had passed, but Liam was still there, so, but yeah, there's a lot of emotions and a lot, and lots of up, down, but that's the shortened version, version of my fertility Mm -hmm. journey, there's a lot of other info, yeah, about it. So, So, since you're talking
1: about, like, all the emotions, I think that (laughs) this question is, like, perfect, since we're, (laughs) or, you know, you just mentioned that, um, how did you and Ryan cope with the emotional ups and downs of going through those treatments?
2: So originally, when we first found out, like after his diagnosis of being sterile, um, we went through a really, really rough patch. Um, We weren't talking to each other. We weren't sharing the emotions that we were going through separately with each other. And we weren't having those conversations. And so there for a while, it was really rocky and i will be quite quite honest i was 1 foot out the door at one point in time um because i wanted kids so badly that was something so ingrained in my soul that for the person who i loved and the person who i thought i was going to spend the rest of my life with telling me that they were perfectly okay not having kids was so hard um and it wasn't until i think he finally saw how much it was eating me alive to not have that especially after um his sister um found out she was pregnant again and announced it on mother's day um and she kind of she didn't know exactly what we were going through but she knew that we were struggling to get pregnant at that time and she announced on mother's day which is if anybody who's going through infertility or who has lost a child or who has dealt with Struggling to get pregnant, Mother's Day and Father's Day, and those types of holidays, even like Christmas and any holiday, is really hard. And to have her announce that she was pregnant again after already having four children was like a bullet to the stomach for me. And I was just a complete mess. And it was right after that that Ryan was like, okay, this is really important to her. And I think he started seeing how much it was affecting me and saw that I was almost one foot out the door because it was so important to me that it kind of snapped him out of it and we really did after we got over that hump and we started going to the fertility specialist he went to all of my appointments with me all my blood draws with me held my hand at every appointment held my hand at every you know moment of the journey ups and downs um if he was home at the certain time that I needed to do my injection. He offered to do all of my injections for me um, that he could. And so that was a that was a big thing for him being supportive. But I think even to this day, there's still a lot of emotions that go along with it. And I think there are still conversations that he and I could s- still be having um, and should still be having about what we've gone through. Because unfortunately, male infertility is such a taboo subject that I think he feels uncomfortable talking about it. And I wish that's one of my biggest wishes is eventually that no type of infertility is a taboo subject that it's very much talked about and very much on the forefront and that no one feels alone because it's a very alone feeling. You feel like nobody else is going through it. Nobody else understands what you're going through. Um, Yeah. But I think as we went through the journey, we found a way to be supportive of one another and it really did you know having him there by my side through everything was really helpful yeah and
0: communication is probably one of the best things yeah. um so I definitely want to go into the option that you guys eventually chose for yourselves um but overall because there's so many different options yeah, there definitely what but- is the best way you think that if somebody, when they find out they're dealing with infertility, what are the options they can do? And what do you think is the easiest and most like emotionally safe route for them to go?
2: I would say finding, doing your research and being your biggest advocate for yourself. Like, do your own research. Don't completely like, I wish I would have done a little bit more research um, for us. But I think finding a fertility specialist that, um, you click with is a big thing. Cause I've heard lots of stories from other friends who have dealt with infertility where they just didn't click with their, their specialist and it made it even worse. Um, but I would definitely say, um, start with your OB cause that's who you see, you know, you're supposed to see your OB on a regular basis, at least once a year. Um, And building that, you know, that stable foundation with your OB and talking to them, they can, there's a lot of options that even just your OB can do. Like the Clomid, um, I know some OB offices can do the IUIs, most don't, but I know there's a couple out there that can. Um, And then getting guidance, um, I think another big thing is joining a, um fertility support group is a big thing um because you can ask questions there and you can get feedback from other people from those groups um and kind of see what worked for them what didn't work for you know but the science behind it is so is changing all the time and so there's so many different options but besides just the IUI and the you know IVF and you know there's even people who deal with fertility can do adoption and foster care and like there's surrogacy and there's so many options out there for you to build your family it's not one cookie cutter way or the other so I think just doing your own research and finding what fits best for you and what you think is going to be the emotional way that you want to go through because I think everybody's story is different, but everybody's story is kind of the same. Like you're all going through it and you're all, your ultimate goal is to have a family. And that's why I feel it's so important to have that support group of women who are going through it too. Your stories may not be the exact same or your circumstances may not be the exact same, but there's like this understanding of I get you, I see you. I know what you're going through.
0: Shemi, you got one you want to follow up with?
1: Um. <clears throat> okay. So I really, I know like I have the questions I have, I think are like questions that kind of come like from the like negative parts of it, not negative, but like, the negative emotions and the things that you're going through. But the reason I wanted to bring these up is because I know that you mamas that deal with infertility go through very, like you guys go through lows and you go through some really rough emotions. I have many friends that deal with this. And, um, so I know like I would, I want you to share and I'm glad that you're being vulnerable. Like I really appreciate, like, even with the last question I asked you, like how vulnerable you are, because I think that it's important to really put it out there so that other women that are going through it are like, it's not just me. And yeah. then maybe like friends of people that are dealing with it can understand. Yeah. Um, so I want you to kind of share what fears did you encounter through the process?
2: I hate the fear of never getting to hear someone call you mom. Um that was always in the back of my head of I'm never going to get to hear those words. Mm-hmm. Mom, I love you. Mommy, you're my best friend. Mommy, I want to marry you, <laughs> which I hear a lot from my boys. Um, Those were like some of my biggest fears. Um, and I think just the fear of being like or the emotion of being like, why is my body not doing what it's designed to do? Why is it not, why is this so hard? Why, why did God put this on me? Um, Why are, I think a lot of us deal, especially at least me, we're like, well, why is my sister-in-law who already has four kids getting to have another one? Or why is the drug addict down the street got, kids that she can't take care of I got to this point where like I was mad but I think my biggest fear was just never getting to have a kid be able to to call my own because like I had my nieces my nephews and I had you know my friends kids and stuff like that that I loved but they weren't my own mm-hmm. and I think that was one of my biggest fears is to just never get that opportunity to have that Um. Yeah. And I think going into every blood draw, the fear of it failing, because when it all comes down to it, it's really expensive and you feel like you're wasting a lot of money. And so going into blood draws to find out if you are pregnant and find out if it was successful was a big fear of mine too, because I would be like, okay, is this going to be positive? Is this going to be negative? Is it like, um, that was a fear that I had of just every appointment, you know, any, appointment I
1: had after a procedure was did it
2: work did it not work
1: Mm -hmm. how can um how can people around you be the best support for like someone that's going through that what is the best way that someone can support them
2: I think the best way to support somebody who's going through infertility isn't to try to give them answers or give them tips about what they can do or telling them to, oh, just relax. It will happen when it happens. Or maybe you, I had somebody, I don't remember who it was, or I think it was a friend of mine who's like another friend of theirs told them, oh, maybe you're just not meant to have kids. Mm. That's like the worst thing you could ever say to anybody. Like whether they're going through fertility treatments or not, like that's the worst thing you could ever tell somebody is maybe you're just not meant to have them. Like, um, I think some of the best things that you could say or do for that person is just being like, I'm here to support you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to walk along this journey with you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here. Like, so after you've done a, um, a transfer, you, they call them princess days yes. where like pretty much you just lay in bed for three, <laughs> yeah, four days or a week, depending on your situation. I think during that time, the best way to be supportive for your friend or your family member who's having those princess days is help them make them be princess days, offer to bring them food, offer to bring them, you know, give them book recommendations, give them, I think even trying to get your friends or family members minds off of what's going on um, is a really good thing to do. I think the biggest thing is just being supportive without being a fixer. I think it's instilled in a lot of women to be that fixer. Oh, I want to help you with this problem. I want to fix it for you, or I want to give you all the answers. And I think the best thing is to just be like, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to pray for you. And I'm thinking about you. It's not necessarily, oh, well, have you tried this? Or have you tried that? Um, It's almost kind of like less is more when it comes to that.
0: I have a question, and I'm really actually glad that you brought it up. So you had mentioned, um, you know, you guys, you and Ryan are struggling with infertility and going through these things, and I'm sure um, I can only imagine just from a human standpoint. And when you are going through something, you notice people getting the things that you want so deeply. You notice it seems like it's the only thing you notice. Um, But when you brought up Um, Like family members, my brother actually was dealing with infertility and I had no idea. Yeah. So I wanted to just ask when you don't know that a family is dealing with infertility, because I have so much guilt about that. I just really thought that they were just so busy, you know, or, you know, wanted to do more things and they were just waiting. I had no clue the struggles. Yeah. And you know, you being so vulnerable and talking about it is wonderful. And again, I echo what Shawn May says. Thank you so much for doing that. When you have a family member that doesn't want to talk about it, how do you think it's best to gently bring it up? Because it is hard yeah. because it's, it's instant. It's such your social thing. When you get married, when are you having kids? <laughs> Every holiday, when are you going to have a baby? And people don't always think in the back of their minds, maybe it's an issue. Yeah. And, people say their response and you pick up on the fact they might be struggling what's the best way you think to let them know without being without making it overly yeah you know without making it
2: uncomfortable for them like you're trying to fix it for them fix it yeah I think because I was so open with my journey with that I don't have a personal experience of that um Because like I said, everybody's journey is different. And I know a lot of people who aren't open. Um, And I think it's because there's a lot of shame behind it. Um, I think if you're a family member who is noticing, like they get uncomfortable at baby showers or they get uncomfortable at holidays, I think maybe not bringing it up in a wide spectrum, but like taking them inside and being like, hey, are you feeling okay today? Like, is there something that you want to talk about? If so, just know I'm here. And kind of leave the doors open for them to bring up the conversation. I wouldn't push it so much, but then, you know, all of us are women of faith. And I think if you feel like there's something going on with a friend or a family member, but they're not wanting to talk about it, take it to God, pray to Him about it. And maybe He will open those doors and open that opportunity for them to feel comfortable talking to you about it, as is what I would say. Um, just because I don't have, I personally don't have that experience, but I would say, you know, once again, just be that supportive person and letting them know that you are there if they want to talk about it. Um, and then not bringing up the questions of when are you having kids or, um, are you guys going to have kids or when are you thinking about having kids or, you know, um, but then coming from somebody who did go through infertility and, stuff I think if you're not willing to talk about it I personally feel you don't really you have the right to be upset with those people who are asking those questions but in the same sense if they don't know that you're struggling with it they're not meaning to be insensitive either so it's kind of like that's why I want to trying to make it it's not a taboo subject it's okay to talk about and as soon as you start talking about it i promise you you're going to feel 10 times better so that's kind of my take on it
0: thank you thank
2: you um how
0: did you guys go about discussing your infertility with your family members and loved ones
2: um we like uh, we were pretty open um it was a little bit of like, do we tell people? Like, yeah. um, my mom, of course, I told her because my mom's one of my best friends, and I told her, you know, told her that we were struggling and kind of told her what was going on, and she was very supportive and being like, "Well, I'll be here. I can help you in any way that I, you know, that you need me to." Um, we kind of didn't fully diclo- disclose to like my siblings just because my siblings are kind of off in their own little worlds at times and. They were supportive, but, like, not as supportive as some people were. And I don't blame them for that just because, you know, they had their own stuff going on, um, which is totally fine. Like, everybody's got their own crowd going on. Um, we mostly just kept it to very close, intimate relationships. Our parents, our siblings, um, really close friends and family Um, but like extended family, even to this day, like I don't, my husband's family is very extensive. There's a lot of people. And I know like, there's a couple cousins that know there's a couple aunts and uncles that know, but really honestly, the majority of the family has no idea. Um, and I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I don't think it necessarily needs to be like shouted from the mountains, the, like the whole story, but we have been open to being like, yeah, we struggled to have kids. Yeah, we did IVF, but they don't know the whole, like all of the steps and all of the emotions and everything, because they just weren't that close. But like our closest friends and family, they knew what we were going through. That was our support group, 110%. And then like now close friends and family, you know, it's, it's part of my journey. It's part of my story. It's part of who we are now. And so it's just like, it's just something that comes up in conversations. Well, with
0: that being said, do you feel comfortable telling, like, how you managed, how you and Ryan managed to have the twins?
2: If not, that is totally fine as well. I can totally tell that um, portion of it. Um, So, like I said, we used a sperm donor, and originally we were going to use, there's a sperm bank in California called, I can't even remember what it's called, (laughs) it's like cryo-sperm bank of alley or something i don't remember but it's like a national sperm bank that like is technically based in california and you get on there and there's like this huge database and you put all these you know stuff that you want do you want the donor to have blue eyes and blonde hair and like do you want them to have a law degree and all this stuff and you can put all these characteristics in there and then like you're like shopping for a donor it's it's kind of really weird and almost awkward doing it with your significant other because it's almost like you're trying to find somebody to be your baby daddy it's really (laughs) weird and we it was so uncomfortable and so weird to be doing that with my husband because it was like I was trying to pick pick characteristics that were my husband but then at the same time I'm like this is so weird like this is so weird and um my husband is one of two kids he has his sister and then it's him my husband is actually the last male from his grandfather's line and so it was very important to ryan after all of this stuff of i'm not i don't want to have kids i'm okay with it i think when that clicked as well that he was the last one to carry on the mark blazard name it was very important to him that it was like, that not only did we have that bloodline. And so we eventually started toying around with the idea of maybe having a very close family member um, be our donor. And we kind of played around with the idea of having maybe one of his cousins or, and ultimately we decided um, he is very, 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 very close to his uncle Um, and we ended up having a very intimate conversation with his uncle about, you know, wanting to carry on the blood, the blood name of Mark Blazard and having that honor passed on to our kids and everything like that. And that we wanted to use him as our donor, um, because, you know, it's his uncle, it's his mom's brother. Um, and so it's direct bloodline. Um, and so we had a very intimate conversation with he and his wife at the time, and he agreed to be our donor. And so um, we haven't had the conversation with like when do we tell our kids that that's you know we don't, that's um that's a conversation that we're having now between my husband and I is when do we tell the boys do we tell the boys how do we tell them and you know these are questions I'm still this is the fertility journey we're on infertility journey we're on now is how do we tell our kids how they came about but yeah we used a known donor and his it's our uncle and we have a very close relationship with him he is the best uncle my kids could ever ask for and not once has he even brought it up um or been like those are my kids or anything like that it's no those are my great nephews and i love them with every ounce of my being and there's only a hand, like a handful of people especially family members that actually know that just because it would get at least my husband's family dynamic is very strange when it gets into extended family and it would just be like a weird so it's mostly just very um immediate family that knows that. So
1: but yeah, I can I can imagine that could get a little dicey.
2: Yeah. It's really <laughs> <a little dicey. laughs> cool because of the relationship that my husband and his uncle have had and continue to have. And now it's been passed on to my kids to have that relationship with their uncle as well. So
1: Yeah. I think it's really special that you guys were able to have a family member do that and you didn't have to like you know, go completely to somebody that you didn't know. I think that yeah. that just kind of brings a personal part of it to your family. So,
2: well, it makes my kids look almost exactly like their dad, yeah. pretty much, yeah, right? For real, very <laughs> much like their daddy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> because legit, like we have been friends now for how many years? I don't. Know. And you have told me Ryan was I- unable to have kids. And I remember the first time you told me, I was like. Oh. And it, 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 it didn't click in my brain that these weren't Ryan's friend because they look exactly freaking like him. Yeah, I was like, oh, OK, well, maybe, you know, oh, maybe they're going to go. I remember when you told me, I was like, man, I am so sorry. I am so dumb. Like. I'm, I'm, Please don't tell I'm in the medical field because you have told me this so many times and i'm like yeah no totally i know moving on and then it wasn't until i think ryan said something and he was like well because you know with my situation and i had to ask i was like Did
2: that happen? how does it look like you And we get all the time like yeah. when it comes up in conversation yeah. and we're more- because we have become more open about who our donor was yeah. as the years have gone by, um, especially with, like, really close friends and family. Right. Um, it has come up, and it has – and it's kind of funny because, like, Ryan will be like, yeah, it's it, – yeah. like me Because it was my uncle. Yeah. So I look <laughs> a lot alike. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Yes.
0: So I know we're missing a couple other things. What are some of the other things that you want to hit really quick with Ange?
1: Um, no, she kind of answered like, uh, "What is it?" Well, so I had a question about like side effects of the process if it if it does happen, um, because I've been talking to somebody and I, you know, they also are struggling with um fertility. Definitely. And I kind of brought it up and they're like, we did a lot of research and there could be some like side effects. Yeah. Is be- that true? Is there some side effects that could happen? It's definitely side effects. There's side effects with anything.
2: Right. Um, like messing with hormones and when you're messing with not doing something that's technically natural. Like there definitely can be side effects. I would say some of the biggest side effects is the medication makes you gain a crap ton of weight.
1: Ugh.
2: That's a side effect. Like I ballooned during my fertility treatments. um, And that was probably one of the biggest side effects. The bruising, that's a side effect. Yeah. Uh, but like there can even be as severe complications of sometimes some people will say, I don't know for a fact, and I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, but like birth defects because mm-hmm. of the medications that you were on. Um, there's been, I guess, some studies I've heard in passing that there's been some studies about that. Um, but I think with every, that's why it's always evolving and they're always doing the science, you know, evolving the science behind it and doing more research and everything like that is to make sure that those side effects are less. But I would say the biggest side effects that I think deter a lot of people from it is the physical side effects of and the emotional side effects like I'll be quite an I was at some points suicidal when I was going through it I remember when we first found out that my husband was sterile I driving home from that appointment I wanted to take the car and crash it into the median like so mm-hmm. thoughts is also you know is also a side effect from it just because it's so emotionally draining um And then just, you know, those physical aspects of gaining weight and acne and just the pregnancy glow is not there when you're going through infertility treatments. Yeah. Sometimes it's still not there because you continue to do medications after you're technically pregnant. You do, um, what's it called? hcg is what they're trying to build up and there's like support that you do and stuff like that so that you're still on certain medications depending on your situation even through your entire pregnancy and i think that's where that comes in with the side effects of maybe again for the infant is those drugs that you're on to try to keep you pregnant Mm -hmm. um i was fortunate enough that i didn't have to do is progesterone that's what i was thinking about um I only had to be on progesterone for like seven weeks after I got pregnant, um, and so I was lucky enough that I didn't have to be on a whole bunch of medications after I was pregnant. Um, it was just leading up to getting pregnant. Yeah, I'd say those are the biggest side effects, at least for me. But I know um what. oh
1: shoot. Oh, did you have postpartum depression? Um with either pregnancy? I didn't with Mark and Joseph. Or at
2: least I don't feel like I did looking back on it. Um with Liam, I actually had pregnancy depression. Okay. Um I so badly wanted a girl and I think this is something that a lot of people who go through infertility deal with as well. Um is because you kind of have some sort of control over it, you think, oh, well, I can choose the sex of my kid. Um, and I so badly, after having my twin boys, who I love and adore, and I love being a boy mom, I wanted a girl so badly that when they told me he was a boy, I was devastated. Because I knew this was going to be my last pregnancy. I knew this was going to be my last baby. Um, And so that chance of having a girl was just totally thrown out the window and so i had a lot of depression and was very upset and very they call it gender gender depression or something like that Mm -hmm. um and i struggled with that for a really long time it wasn't until i had his name come to me in prayer um i was praying that please lord just help me to be okay with this like help me to like, I was at the point where I wasn't even excited that I was pregnant anymore.
0: And I'm sure that is just such an emotional thing anyways, mm-hmm. because you're already going through so many emotions with all of just the natural things that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Being pregnant without any treatment exactly. is emotional enough. But then I am sh- I can only imagine the feelings of, like, guilt and, like, you know, you're yeah. not happy pregnant
2: it's like you go through all these emotions because you want to get pregnant so badly right. then you get pregnant and then you feel guilty because you're not happy that you're pregnant like yeah. it was horrible and so yeah i did deal with in preg- like pregnancy depression um and i would say i had a little bit of postpartum after he was born but nothing and you had more physical things I with Liam physical things with Liam Liam's pregnancy was a lot harder the mark and josephs mark and josephs was like a dream and their delivery was a dream they were dream babies they were just amazing and then liam's was almost like a smack in the face his i was sick his entire pregnancy um i got bell's palsy right before he was born um literally the week prior to him being born i got diagnosed with bell's palsy and if you don't know what that is it's a um inner ear sometimes nerve ending that gets numb and the whole half of your face goes paralyzed and so you get like this wonky looking face um and so I had that and then I had a new baby and I was dealing with toddlers and just all the things and there was that time I never got to the point where it was like because I know some women get to the point where like They want to walk away and they want to have nothing to do with their kids. I never got to that point in my postpartum depression, but I did get to the point where it was like, I didn't feel like me and I didn't, I got in a rut where like, I didn't want to get up in the morning and do my hair or my makeup. It was, I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to, you know, and I think a lot of moms kind of get some sort of a little bit of snippet of postpartum depression, but I know how serious that can get and how awful that can be. And my heart goes out to all of those women who deal with severe postpartum depression.
1: Yeah. I was just curious because you're, you know, you're talking about how you're feeling during pregnancy with like, all the stuff that you're on and I was like, I wonder if like how she felt after. Yeah. That so was interesting.
0: Well, me and Tommy have learned that after a certain time anchor cuts us off. So, <laughs> know, so we are getting to that um hour. And it's it kills me because I feel like I could talk to you about this forever. There's so there's so many things that we didn't get to discuss. Um but your embryos you decided to um donate donate your embryos which is such an honorable thing um but so technically like somebody could be out there holding their baby and yeah
2: i have something that you bless them with yeah because i had been blessed so much um uh, my mother-in-law paid for our infertility journey which i'm so thankful for i have an amazing mother-in-law who did that i felt like when I was left with these remaining embryos and was giving this, not ultimatum, but it was kind of like, what do you want to do with them? I felt like, you know what? I want to bless another family who's struggling with this. So I'm going to technically sign away my rights to these embryos and give them up for what they call embryo adoption. And so that's what I did. But like you said, we are kind of running out of time. So if anybody has like more questions, feel free to reach out. Like I said, reach out to finding a support group. Um, That's my biggest takeaway from all of this is finding people who know exactly what you're going through and leaning on them. And did you,
0: were you able to like, you said you were able to figure out the sex of the embryos or no?
2: Is that you can test them. I chose not to. Usually if you want to test for your sex, you want to do it at your fresh retrieval before they freeze your embryos because they do freeze,
1: right? It's like extra money.
2: It is extra. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely extra to have the embryo testing. They call it genetic testing. Um and it is an extra charge on top of all the paying for you already paying for for meds and everything. So
1: yeah, like you're not already paying enough. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So I do like, I want us to end on a very like positive note. Um What would you say to someone that is going through an infertility journey, whether they just found out that they can't have kids or they've been trying and they don't have a definite answer, or they're in the middle of a journey like one that you went through themselves, what would you say to encourage them? I would say,
2: mama, you are seen, you are loved, there's support out there for you, and you are not alone in this and you've got this and find your people who can help you through it because you will come out on the other side and you will be so blessed when that happens and I understand that it's a wild roller coaster but you are not alone
1: so I love
2: that Thank you so
0: much. Um, yes, you know how much I love you. Yes. And I feel like we could talk about this forever. Um, But thank you again for being so vulnerable. I feel like we did really good. We didn't cry. I didn't want- that that like we really
1: got our stuff together. Um.
0: <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being so vulnerable. And we both so appreciate you and love you.
2: You guys too. And thank you so much for letting me come on and Bring awareness to this subject and, you know, taking those steps to make it not a tab- taboo subject because yeah. it shouldn't be. Yeah. So, agreed. Yeah. Cause uh, one of the couples deals with this. Right. So agreed.
0: Anything else, Mimi?
1: No, that's it. We'll just sign off. Thank you, Angela, for coming on, sharing your story. I'm sure there are other mamas that listen to this, that they may be going through the same thing. And so I'm just glad that we were able to tell them. Like, you know, you're not by yourself and other people go through it and someone has come out on the other side. And, you know, so that is so great to share with other mamas, encourage them. Um, uh, What am I doing? Oh, (laughs) thanks everybody for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe, share with your friends and family, especially if you know somebody that is going through this, please share it with them um to encourage them and uh, go check us out on our Instagram at all the things with c and b and um we appreciate you guys for supporting us we hope you have a good day yeah. bye
0: bye bye <laughs>